and embarrassment in Tampa? Is Clemson really in trouble? And by the way, who's going to be president? A brand new air attack starts right now. And I cannot believe what I saw on uh, on Sunday night from Tampa Bay. That was, I mean, that was an embarrassment. That was a humiliation the Saints put on the Bucs. And, and the Saints were good, but they weren't as good as the Bucs were bad. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the Clemson Notre Dame game and some of the hypocrisy there from some of you Corona uh, truthers out there. Um, obviously, there was an election last last Tuesday. We'll talk about this now. Not a political show, but come on. I mean, this was this was pretty interesting. Uh, we knew it was going to be. We knew it was going to be an ugly campaign. I thought both campaigns were terrible. I, I thought they both did an awful job. One, on one hand, you had Joe Biden screaming about COVID left and right, with with, with really nothing else about what he was actually going to do in office. He was just going to solve problems. He was going to solve racism. He was going to cure COVID. Yada yada yada. Now, magically, the Monday after the election, Pfizer says they have a vaccine with a ninety percent uh, effectiveness rate. It just happened that way. It just happens to be interesting timing. On the other hand, you had Trump, who didn't want to give people their stimulus money. You know, he wanted to give it, then he didn't, then he did, then he did, then he did. He wanted to go big, then he wanted to go. Hey, listen, they were both terrible. But the bottom line is that this whole election situation is just a joke. I mean, you've got all these votes. We, we knew, first of all, they were going to push this mail-in ballot thing. Anytime someone wants to change the game, it's obviously going to be to their advantage. Okay, so we've heard for the last few weeks, oh, well, Amy, Amy Coney Bryant's on the Supreme Court. Oh, you know what? We need, we need, we need a bigger Supreme Court. We need a Supreme Court. We need to keep growing the court until we get our way. Oh, you know what we should do? Uh, we're not getting our way in the Senate. I'll tell you what we should do. We should make Puerto Rico a state. We should make Puerto Rico a state in Washington, D.C., and then we'll just get our way. So anytime someone's trying to change the rules, you know it's to their advantage. And enter the mail-in ballot, where they wanted to expand the mail, and all of a sudden, everyone thinks the mail is the greatest thing in the world. Okay, fine. You want to use COVID as an excuse? We know what you're doing. Okay, fine. But it was these overnight dumps of ballots... And they said, well, no, but they're going to favor Joe Biden. Yeah, but he's pitching shutouts overnight. Hundreds of thousands of ballots, and they're all for him, and that's not the least bit suspicious. And then you've got videos from across the country of what looks like people stuffing ballot boxes. Maybe it's not what it is, but that's certainly what it looks like. And people changing ballots or filling in ballots. Anytime you give these people, these election workers, I don't know what they're getting paid or what the deal is, but anytime you give them something else to do, you... you absolutely just just skyrocket the chances that something's going wrong and there are places in philadelphia with banners telling people who to vote for and it wasn't trump you got people cheering when when the republican lawyers are escorted out of buildings in michigan and pennsylvania you got sassy black women telling poll watchers they can't come in and tell them to call the cops. You got dead people voting, which is which which is such a common thing. It's like $100 handshakes after Notre Dame beats Clemson. You know they're not supposed to do it, but you know you also know it's going to happen. Like it's no big deal. And how about Nevada and Arizona where they just go home? Nevada was at like an 8,000 vote margin for like 36 hours. And instead of just counting and getting something done like, "Nah, I got to go pick up my kid from soccer, man. I can't be here." It was like 4.30 in the afternoon, and they were done counting for the day. What kind of shit is that? You had a county in Pennsylvania. I think it was Allegheny County, which is where uh, Pittsburgh is. They took off on Thursday for, quote-unquote, administrative work. What are you talking about? Two days after something that happens every four years, and you need the day off? And all of a sudden, there's no such thing as cheating. And anyone suggesting that there's cheating is undermining the election. And they're a white supremacist. <laughs> all of a sudden, guys. 
as if nobody remembers what happened in 2016 and 2017 and 2018 and 2000. You spent three years and millions of dollars because you were sure you were cheated in an election. Now, there's no such thing as cheating. No such thing as cheating. And anyone who suggests it has a real problem and is undermining our democracy. Does that sound like a group of honest people to you or maybe somebody who just wants to sweep everything under the rug and move the fuck on? Give me a break. And for the past two, three months, and I, I knew this would happen because it's been happening, but I knew it would be turned up. And it's this is nothing new. But you've seen Facebook and Twitter just delete people's accounts and just try to suppress information. And they've been doing this for years, but of course they turned it up a notch. And every time the president tweets anything, now there's a warning next to it. I mean, it's completely and utterly absurd. And the president gives a, gives a news conference, I think it was Thursday or Friday, and he's talking, and all of a sudden the cable news networks all at the same time cut away from him. And that doesn't seem suspicious at all. They all had the same idea at the same time. So now you're deciding when the president can talk to people. Right, you've got to be out of your minds. Does, it, does any of this seem like an honest and, and transparent process when you look at it from that perspective? All the cable news companies, Twitter, Facebook, Google, filtering content so you can only see what they want you to see? Give me a break. You don't like what the president says. Say so after he's done speaking. And you say whatever you want. Everyone knows... Depending on what channel you, you tune into, you're probably going to get the, a response that, that fits in with that network's theme, right? Like Fox News is going to have a message, although people aren't really happy with them right now. Newsmax or OANN, they're probably going to favor Trump. CNN and MSNBC, they're going to go ahead and bash him. Fine, bash him when he's done talking. Now you're not even allowing him to talk and you got nothing to hide? Stop it. And the, the, the common line now is, uh, Trump... Trump claims without evidence. It's not without evidence. And it's not his job to give you evidence. It's his job to give a court evidence. Okay, if you want to find evidence, how about you look into it? NBC sent some little lady man chasing Trump around, or not Trump, but, but uh, Trump's people around in Nevada into a van, screaming and yelling, asking for evidence. And you call that great reporting. How is that great reporting? Running after someone screaming. A great reporter would go after the evidence, not tell someone else to produce it to him right away. He doesn't know, no one owes you anything. So, and people celebrating all these court cases saying that Trump keeps losing. Hey, listen, remember that happened years ago with a bunch of other stuff. A lot of these executive orders that he had, whether it was immigration related, you know, so anything having to do with Mexico or having to do with travel bans from, from countries in the Middle East, he would lose in court and eventually it would go to the Supreme Court and he would win. Doesn't matter. Okay, this nonsense of you lost, you, even Hillary Clinton was like giving him shit about it. Doesn't matter if he loses the initial court cases, it matters what happens in the last court case. The person who wins the last court case wins. So, listen... They can, they can pop champagne bottles. They can go throw a ticker tape parade in, in New York City or Washington. They can go to Disney World. They can even do a commercial saying we're going to Disney World. The thing's not over yet. It just isn't. So, I mean, do I, now, do I think he won? I don't know if he won. I have no idea. Okay, I can't tell you if he won or lost. But I would say there's definitely suspicious enough behavior that it's going to be a while while they investigate this stuff. Georgia already said they're going to recount. He's probably going to win Arizona. And then Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania are all going to be under some kind of investigation, and it's going to take a little while. So to me, I find this whole thing to be embarrassing. It is 2020. If you're going to use this excuse that we don't have the technology, I'm just going to laugh in your face. Okay, I, I've got the ability to, like right now, I go to my living room. I'm not bragging because you probably have the same ability. I could go probably choose from like five or, or 10,000 movies right now that I could access on my TV. I got a cell phone that I look at, and it allows me access to the cell phone. It tells me how many steps I walk today. We can't figure out a way to vote in 2020 in a timely fashion. Give me a break. 
So do I think something weird's going on here? Yeah. Trump did better with blacks, gays, women, Jews, and a bunch of other groups than he's ever done before. They flipped congressional seats in places like Miami where there's a, a high Latino population. He did better with them than expected. And by the way, the racial shaming of people who voted a different way than you did is just stupid. You know, black people don't owe it to you to all vote the same way. or That goes for any race or any group of people. That's just dumb. That's just corny. So is it weird that he lost after doing so much better with those people this year? Yeah, I find it kind of weird. But is it possible he still lost? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. It, it, it's very possible he still lost. I got two words for you. Unemployed people. I've been saying this for months. These people have been floundering, living off of unemployment, which may have been more or less than what they were making at their regular jobs. Then that got shaved at the end of July, and they only had, what, six weeks of, of getting 300 bucks a week from the government. And then since then, they've gotten nothing. So since the middle of September leading up into the election, and you guys are playing games with these stimulus talks every single day, every single day. Uh, Steve Mnuchin and Nancy Pelosi spoke for about 40 minutes. They made some nice progress. They're going to speak again tomorrow. What are you talking about? 40 minutes? That's how long you spend on this a day? So if, if he actually did lose fairly or if the cheating wasn't enough that it actually made a difference, he can blame himself for that. And that's just what it is. By the way, worth mentioning. On a, on a week where we lost Alex Trebek, who is absolutely just a TV legend. Just no, no, no two ways about it. Guy who fought very bravely. Pancreatic cancer is not something a lot of people come back from, unfortunately. It's just how it is. But John King on CNN is out there. He's doing that thing with the map. I watched in 2016, and I, I don't watch cable news. I just don't. Some people think that I do or that I'm a, I'm a huge Trump guy or something. No, I'm not a Fox News guy or a Trump guy. I'm, just, I'm a reality guy. That's what I am. Okay, I don't watch a lot of cable news because, number one, I'm, I've got too much to do with sports. Number two, I just don't find it that interesting. And I can, number three, you can get the news on social media now. You can get, everyone's always posting a clip from what happens on these news shows anyway to a point where you're like, hey, listen, it's a, it's a little much. Anyway, 2016, I was flipping around channels, and I was like, I don't like Fox News, what they're doing. I won't watch MSNBC because they're, they're just insane over there. They're, they're obviously mentally ill over there, so that's, I have no time for that. And I found my way to CNN, and I see this guy doing stuff with this map and then punching the states, and then he punches the state again, and it turns colors, and then you get the different counties over there, and he's a master. I mean, he is a fuck. If they did, I mean, can you imagine if they had elections like every single week? I mean, that guy would be worth, that guy would be worth half a billion dollars. He's that good at it. It's crazy. And election night was funny because he kept saying over and over again, I don't know how many times. Not over yet, guys. It's still early, still early, because election night, Trump got up to like a four to one favorite. It was over. I mean, it was done. And I guess people just didn't, uh, uh, people failed to basically take into account either the, whatever way you want to look at it, the level of mail-in voting or the level of cheating, whichever one you want to call it, or the combination of the two. But John King was really, really good. And I, I looked him up, by the way. He used to be married to Dana Bash, who's part of that same telecast. They're just never on camera together. And they have a kid together, too. So they have to deal with each other in some way, shape, or form. But I found it interesting. They're only married for a little while. She was married to someone else. The next year, she marries him. And then they're married just long enough for her to get a kid. And then that's it. I, I very, very odd. I, didn't, I had no idea that was the case. Little election night tension in the CNN studios. But I thought John King was really, really good. So we will see what happens. Uh, I'm not going to join a part of... You know, the resistance, or whatever. we're not going to have anything like that going on. I'm not going to riot in the streets. I'm not going to burn nothing if I don't get my way. I don't know what it is. And quite frankly, if Joe Biden was president, is it really going to ruin my life? No, I don't think it's going to. But, I mean, if he cheated to get there, or people around him cheated to get him there, I think people deserve to know that. So I think, honestly, I think it's a good chance you're carving your Thanksgiving turkey and this thing isn't, isn't decided yet. I, I, that is, and I don't think that's even a bold prediction. I think you'll know by the middle to the end of this week just how long this is going to stretch on for. And those of us who remember Gore and Bush 
back in 2000. That thing went till damn near Christmas. And I'd say this is probably this is probably a little more heated than that one. So time will tell, kids. Um, and speaking of TV, now I don't like to dance on anyone's grave when they lose their jobs at all. Because the people that lost their jobs here, it's probably not their fault. But ESPN just went through a bunch of job cuts to the point where even Bob Lee, who was an ESPN lifer, I think he just retired last year, actually took him to task on Twitter. And again, you follow me on Twitter at BCAK the Man. Follow the show on Twitter at, at Air Attack Radio if they'll let you. Um, Bob Lee actually went after them and talked about, I hope you guys enjoy that Disney stock. This is not complicated, guys. After ESPN's Summer of Wokeness, after these miserable NBA ratings, hey, job cuts. It, it doesn't. It, I mean, you don't have to be in the entertainment business to understand what's happening here. And it's not the people who are responsible for this. Like Maria Taylor, remember she went off on her little finger-wagging, hair-flipping rant on Drew Brees because Drew Brees had the balls to say something about the national anthem. The nerve of him. Hey, she still has her job. And Mina Kimes who go, you know, goes online and tries to tweak anybody who, you know, basically has. She has the same politics. Let's put it that way and leave it at that. Somehow finds herself on NFL Live, giving giving predictions. By the way. The predictions are a joke. They're rooted in nothing. I mean, you're going to tell me what a great day Aaron Rodgers is going to have against the Minnesota Vikings on a day when there's like 30, 35 mile per hour winds in Green Bay. That's, and, that, and by the way, and that's your job. That is, there's only a few of those jobs out there to get a studio show on a regular basis on a place like, at a place like ESPN. There's only like a handful of those jobs in the world. And, and you're one of the people that has those jobs. And you're not even checking the forecast of these games. But you want to give selections on TV and you wonder why people don't want to watch because you're not good at the job. She still has the job, though, doesn't she? And the executives and the management and the producers who make these decisions, they can impose their political will on people and then hold other people accountable. How great is that? How wonderful is that? People want a sports product from that network and that network continues to fill time with programming that deprives them of it. And the people that make the decisions to do stuff like that never are held accountable if they were it wouldn't happen my god i'll tell you something else too if biden holds on here and i again i don't know if he will i don't know if he won't i know it's going to be interesting but we'll see what happens you better get ready for more jobs to be lost in tv because there are places on tv and for that matter the the internet that have cashed in on the anti-trump hysteria and even i would i would dare say propaganda for the last five years or so and ESPN absolutely deserves to take a hit financially. And this will come to a head eventually when the decision makers realize it's their job that could be next. Bottom line, kids. Bottom line. Now, college football. Game of the year so far was Clemson and Notre Dame. Um, I thought Clemson would get by them in this spot. I obviously was not correct in, uh, in that prediction. Clemson had every opportunity, and I mean every opportunity, to win this game including a touchdown late. Now, the other, the other thing you have to remember here, Clemson gave them 10 points. There was a fumble, which wasn't really a fumble, but that allowed Notre Dame to cash in with three points. But then that, that botched handoff pitch, whatever you want to call it, with ATN, where ATN basically, basically sees two things. He sees the ball coming from his left, and he sees a Notre Dame defender coming from right in front of him, and he says, you know what, fuck this. I got a, I got a family to feed. I don't, I don't need this shit. They're not paying me enough to stay at Clemson to put up with this. Boom. Sidesteps. The ball gets basically taken right off of his chest. But That's a free 10 points that Notre Dame got in this game. But let's face it. Clemson wore him down. Notre Dame started getting tight in the second half. Okay. Clemson goes and outscores him 20-10 to 10 in the second half. 
which looked good for guys who took them in the se second half, including maybe someone who's in this room right now. They go to overtime, and Clemson just cannot stop Notre Dame. Can't stop them at the end of the game. Can't stop them in overtime, and, you know, a couple uh, a couple of sacks or, or, or hits behind the line of scrimmage in overtime, and that's all there was to it. Nice job by Notre Dame, a game they usually don't win. And then they storm the field. Now, wait a second. I, 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 got, I got to give a few people a shot here. Number one, the people at Notre Dame who now just imposed, I mean, like, like 10, 15 minutes ago, new COVID restrictions on the student body, which includes required testing and, and not, not just limitations on what you can do on campus, but limitations on what you can do off campus. And how about this one? A requirement that you let them know you're leaving the South Bend area. And if you do so without letting them know or without getting tested, they can impose what they call strict sanctions. Basically, they can suspend you. They can throw you out of school. Imagine, what does Notre Dame cost out? Like 50, 60 grand a year? And you can just get tossed out for not giving them your medical information? What, are you kidding me here? If you were that concerned about the kids storming the field, why did you let them storm the field? Better yet, why'd you let them in the stadium? What did you really think was going to happen? So my, my knowledge is that, and this is coming from a guy who's, whose kid goes to Notre Dame, the majority of those fans in that building are students. They've got them. They've got them spread around. They've got them, you know, outside the student section because that's how you keep them spaced, right? But it's mostly students. Who do you think storms the field after a big game? I mean, it was bad, and it's funny. The same people who are just gloating over these huge gatherings in Washington D.C. or Philadelphia or Brooklyn, you know, all the all the blue neighborhoods. People who are just, just, just absolutely just loving the fact, delighting in the fact that there were these huge gatherings. And never mind COVID. People are sweating on top of each other. They're screaming. They're hugging. They're crying. They're exchanging air. They're exchanging fluids. Who cares? It's great. It's the greatest day ever. Because they called Pennsylvania sort of whatever, <laughs> whatever we're calling it. And it's wonderful. But damn, the minute a bunch of white kids stormed the field at Notre Dame, oh my God, what the fuck? They're killing people. It's just how ridiculous. If that is not just a perfect microcosm of the entire uh, COVID mindset of 2020, basically, it, according to some people, if you don't like the person, COVID's their fault. And that's just what it is. That's just how it works. So now, if you think Clemson's done here and in trouble, not really. Here's why. The ACC this year is doing their championship game based on conference schedule and conference record. So now Clemson's got one loss. Obviously, they would lose a tiebreaker to Notre Dame, but Notre Dame has no losses. So if Notre Dame were to run the table, Clemson has to play, I think, Florida State. Let me see here. Florida State, uh, yeah, that's their next game. That's in two weeks. Home against Pitt and then at Virginia Tech. I wouldn't sleep on that Florida State game. Now, I think Trevor's going to be back for that game, right? And I don't, I don't take anything away from DJ. DJ's a really good quarterback and a big-time prospect and a pitcher. I mean, he's a big-time athlete. It just Is he as good as Trevor? Probably not. He's probably a starter at, like, all but five or six schools in the country. He just happens to go to one of them. So the Florida State game, I would expect Clemson to handle, but their defense has to play better. If they don't, Florida State, don't sleep on them. They're going to get better. You got a first-year coach who's trying to, you know, introduce some new things there. Remember, they had a little bit of tension with the whole race thing, right, with guys not showing up to work out and practice because they were upset about a tweet, you know, totally normal. And then the game at Virginia Tech, yeah, it could be dangerous. It's Blacksburg, but, uh, but really, Virginia Tech's defense is far worse than Clemson's is, and they don't have the offense, so... Clemson's probably going to be okay. If they can hold it one loss, that would match them up with Notre Dame in the ACC championship game. 
question is, what happens to the loser of that game if it's Notre Dame? I guess a two-loss Clemson team, you have your answer. But if Clemson then beats Notre Dame, are they going to try to keep Notre Dame in that top four? Because if that's the case, guys, I mean, unless you can figure out uh, a way that Alabama or Ohio State's not making the top four, what the hell is anybody else even playing for at this point? Honestly, what, why? What, what's, the, what's the idea? What's the, what's, what's, the, what's the point of having, the, of having this season? You think anyone's really taking down Ohio State? They are a fine-tuned machine. Are you kidding me? You think LSU's beat Alabama this year? They're not. I mean, maybe does Auburn maybe have an outside shot against Alabama? A lot of, no, a lot of things would have to go. Too many things would have to go wrong. So as far as I can tell, Alabama and Ohio State are going. So the bottom line is if Clemson beats Notre Dame and you want to put Clemson in there, then you also have to put Notre Dame in there because Notre Dame already beat them, right? Plus, they're Notre Dame. And we all know how that works. So, I mean, listen, with all due respect to the Pac-12, who, who is canceling games now left and right because I guess their standards are a lot more picky than the rest of these conferences. But the Pac-12 is having to cancel games when one kid tests positive. That's it. They don't put him on restrictions. They put the whole team on a restriction and the team they were going to play. And because they waited until fucking November to schedule these games, there's no wiggle room here. And if you haven't noticed, Wisconsin hasn't played games in I don't know how long now because they can't, they can't get enough kids testing negative to get themselves on the field. So the reality here, unfortunately, is COVID is going to test or, or cost some of these schools an opportunity at a national championship. And that's just how it's going to have to be. Now, did I think Wisconsin was going all the way? That's not my point. Not my point at all. Like, Oregon looked pretty good in their opener against Stanford, but are they going to have enough games? And God forbid they have to cancel a game or two. What are we supposed to do? Put a 5-0 and team in the college football playoff? You can't do that. You know, what if Wisconsin ends up 5-0 and in conference play and another team in the Big Ten is 6-2? Uh, and two? Who's had the better year? I mean, you know, at what point do you say you just haven't played enough games in your conference or out of your conference to qualify for a, a conference championship game, much less a national playoff? And I think it's just a weird kind of year. You also have something else I played this year, and that is Cincinnati and BYU are both quite good. Now, the only problem is where's that big signature win against a Big Ten or even a Big 12 team? You know, it's just not there this year because they're not playing those out-of-conference games. BYU got a win at Boise State, but how good is the Boise State win? Are we really going to find out enough from Boise State's schedule to figure out how good they are? And BYU is just just, just plowing over teams. Is that going to be enough to get to that top four? Boy, it'd be interesting. If ever there was a year to reward a team like a BYU or a Cincinnati, it's this year. If not, just to send a message that, hey, listen, if you want to be a political statement, that's one thing. If you want to be a football conference, that's another. And obviously, these games can be played in a safe manner. Yeah, you're going to lose a couple games here and there. That's how it's going to work. But we haven't seen anybody get hurt yet from playing college football. I, I've, I've yet to see the, the tragedy that came out of the NBA bubble. I haven't seen one. Or the NHL bubble. Or the Major League Baseball season. Remember people were telling you how dangerous it was going to be if there was an NFL season and the NFL needed to get a clue and just do the right thing? That's, that's the same mentality that got you a Big Ten season that started in late October and a Pac-12 season that started in, late, in, uh, in the middle of November, or early November, let's be fair. Everything's been fine. You can do it as long as the guys want to do it. Now, if they go on a road trip and they start partying, that's going to be a problem. That's one reason some of these NFL teams have done well on the road this year. Because you don't have fans, so you don't get that sort of raucous crowd working against you. So your offensive line isn't isn't as likely to to move early. 
Okay, or to get a late jump off the snap, which then requires that they hold off a, a pass rusher or something like that and they catch a penalty, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So you got that working for you there if, if you're a road team this year. But the other, the other thing is that the NFL protocols state that you can't go anywhere when you're on the road. You have to basically stay in the hotel. Yeah, you can leave the hotel for a practice. So that's why, like, the Niners, when they played the Giants and Jets in consecutive weeks, they didn't stay in New Jersey. No, they went to the Greenbrier in West Virginia. So that Kyle Shanahan basically figured, hey, listen, these guys can, can feel like NFL players for a week. You know, they can stay focused on the task at hand. They can stay on property, follow the rules, but they could also have a little bit of a, you know, I don't want to say a spa-like setting, but they can be treated like adults. Who wants to be cooped up in a hotel on the road for an extra six, seven days if you don't have to be? That's the idea. So, the, so that's why the road teams in the NFL do well. But the, the, the point I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make here is that if you want to have a season, you can have a season. You just had to have rules in place, common sense rules, and not panic about it. The Big Ten and the Pac-12 wanted to panic. And look where it got them. It got them to where they are right now. So we'll see how that all plays out. But as far as I'm concerned, the college football playoff, it just, it just lacks a lot of drama this year. And if you're like me, you're a Penn State fan. Boy, what are you, what are you really doing here? Penn State's 0-3. James Franklin has to be in big trouble. He's got to be in trouble... After that showing against Maryland, and I, boy, I, I tried to make a, I tried to like Maryland. I just haven't been doing a lot with college football this year because the players are so unreliable. You don't know who's going to be available, and these kids just seem like they're very shaky this year, from the kicking to the coaching to, to, to everything about it. But boy, Maryland was like a twenty-three and a half point underdog against Penn State, and I'm like, what, how is this possible? Did anybody see Tua's brother the week before against Minnesota? He's good. You didn't think they were going to score against Penn State? 0-3, and they could lose at Nebraska this week. They could be 0-4. James Franklin's got to be in trouble. Will Muschamp in South Carolina's got to be in trouble too. My God, I've never seen more kids on one team who couldn't catch. I watched that game against Texas A&M a little bit on Saturday. I mean, my God, it's just been Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. What the hell was that? Mike, I mean, it, this is they've got a lot of coaches around the country making a lot of money that are going to be in big, big trouble soon. I mean, I, don't, I mean, come on now, thirty-eight to twenty-one, you lose to Indiana on the road, and Indiana's decent this year. Indiana was ranked thirteenth now, so or maybe that was last week. Maybe, maybe they're ranked even higher now. But, I mean, the point is, Michigan fans, are after what you did against Michigan State, and now you're losing on the road to Indiana, what do you think is going to happen when you play Ohio State later in the year? I think Jim Harbaugh, I don't know, man. I just don't, it just, it was a weird fit to begin with. I, I don't, I don't know. He's a guy that wants to coach football. He doesn't want to deal, it doesn't seem like a guy who just wants to be part of a rah-rah college atmosphere with all kinds of events and, and I, recruiting and stuff. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he did. I mean, he went there. I mean, he, he, he attended Michigan, but he took that job there. But, man, just, just a, I mean, it, at what point do you say this isn't getting any better? It's like a lot of things. You're like, you know what? This shit's not going to change. I better just get out. Situation's bad. Hey, listen, what do you want? And, that, and that's on both sides here. Whether you're the school or him, I guess the school probably doesn't want to keep paying him. He's got a contract that I'm sure has a buyout in it. But, man, oof. A lot of coaches just basically thieving money away from these schools to do a terrible job. My goodness. NFL stuff. First of all, the Sunday night game, 38-3, the Saints over the Bucks. It wasn't even this close. Now, I'm a little bitter about this because one of my plays yesterday was the over in this game. When one team scores 31 points in the first half and the total is 50 and a half, and it was 51, but I got it at 50 and a half because, you know, I'm smart. That game should win probably like 90% of the time. Here was the 10% where the Bucks put up a lousy three points, and that was even in garbage time. I don't know what this was. I don't know what this was supposed to be, and it's taking nothing away from the Saints, who showed up for this game the way you're supposed to show up for a game, let's say against a division rival, in primetime on a Sunday night. This is the kind of game in November you're supposed to show up for. This could be a playoff preview. They could meet again, okay? There are some tensions between these teams. You got Jameis Winston playing for the Saints now. Mike Evans and Marcus Lattimore do not like each other. I'm sorry, Marshawn Lattimore do not like each other at all. 
because of a if a if a, an altercation they had. I think it was last year. I mean, you've got a lot going on here, but you are division rivals, and this is the show you put on for the world. And remember something. The Bucks just played on Monday Night Football against the Giants and were within a two-point conversion of having to go to overtime against those guys. That wasn't a wake-up call for you? You had something better to do this week? My God, what were you guys doing? Counting ballots in Philadelphia? My God. Were you dumping ballots overnight in Detroit? What were you guys doing? I, I've never, I, I cannot tell you the last time I saw a quality NFL team do something like this or what I thought was a quality NFL team. That was ridiculous. And I thought the Saints, because the forecast initially was that whatever tropical storm is happening this week, because it seems like there's one every week now, whatever tropical storm is taking place in Florida this particular week was going to be in there. And so the wind's going to be out, you know, out of control, 25, 30, 35 miles an hour. And it was still windy and rainy there, but not nearly you know, the way it could have been. And I thought when that happened, if the forecast actually settled down, it would favor Tampa Bay because the Saints secondary is garbage. You got Malcolm Jenkins there, okay, who, who basically has accomplished one thing this year, and that is embarrassed Drew Brees. Basically, his, his goal of 2020 of emasculating Drew Brees has been accomplished, and that's it. He's not good, and it's the rest of them too. They just haven't been good. And against that core of receivers, not to mention Gronk's getting a little better, Antonio Brown's in the mix, I figured, hey, listen, if the weather is calm, they'll do some damage. The weather did calm down, so I went with the over. If, if the weather had stayed you know, very unsettled, very windy, very rainy. That would have favored the Saints. Absolutely would have favored the Saints because between Kamara and Drew Brees' short passing game, they would have had a big advantage. But Tom Brady, and it wasn't just Brady, but he looked awful. I mean, he looked ridiculous. They get a, a ridiculous call on, on, on a pass interference on Gronkowski where basically he just ran into Lattimore. They get a first and goal from the one. They're throwing fades over the top. They can't run the ball. They can't do it. They can't get three feet. And the Saints let everybody score in the red zone. Everyone. I'm telling you. Believe me, I would know. Defense was just getting sliced through. The Saints put up 38 points. The Saints could have covered that over on their own if they wanted to. And unfortunately, it's just how it happens sometimes. You know, you get you, you make a good pick. The one team, I mean, all I needed for this, for this game was for the Bucks to put up 13 points against the Saints. They couldn't do it. 13 points was too much to ask. And if they had done that, the Saints probably would have scored 45. But the Saints at, at, at halftime basically just decided, hey, listen, we're just going to start drooling this clock into the ground. And of course, it becomes excruciating. And by the way, I understand you want to stay coaching and everything, but there's not, you got to run every play clock down to two or three seconds, Sean Payton. You got to call timeouts on fourth down. I mean, give me a break with some of this stuff. Come on now. I, I understand the game wasn't going my way, but sometimes like just let the thing breathe like an NFL game. My God, what an awful, I mean, just an awful job. The offensive line was terrible. The receivers couldn't get open and Tom Brady looked like, like he had somewhere better to be. It was crazy. It was absolutely just astounding against a team that had beaten him already once this year. And coming off a flat performance in front of the entire country. No, 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 guys. We have a new low. We're going to hit rock bottom next week. I don't know. what. Go the other thing about this game, they rushed the ball five times. What kind of shit is that? What kind of coaching is five times you run the ball the entire game? I understand New Orleans is good against the run, not so good against the pass. Five times. Five times. I'm surprised they left Brady out there as long as they did because he was getting absolutely teed off on. Just, I mean, it was ridiculous. I thought he was going to get hurt. There was a sequence where he got sacked like, like two or three times within a sequence of four plays, but he was getting hit left and right. He had a throw where he followed through on a guy's helmet. I mean, it was just, a, I mean, just a disaster. No excuse for that. I don't know what's going on in that, in, in that locker room or in that practice facility, but it might be something. It might be something like that. Real quick, some of these other games. Kyler against Tua. I said this should be this feature game on, on CBS. 
34 to 30, the Dolphins get the 34 31. Dolphins get the win. Um, defense stepped up and did a good job in the fourth quarter. Really did. A defense is a little bit overrated. I mean, and I'm, I think I'm being kind there. They just haven't played a lot of really good offenses. Kyler Murray excels against bad offense, bad, bad defenses. Excuse me. Dolphins got a huge fourth down stop in this game that was very key late. Um, but fun to watch the guys. Tua wasn't great in this game. Let me just see the box score real quick here. I did watch quite a bit of this game. Let me see here. Tua, all right, 20 to 28. Sacked three times. QBR of 87.6. Not bad. Two TDs, no interceptions. So he wasn't bad. Much better than he was last week. Much, much better. So that, that kind of lived up to the hype. CBS did feature the Pittsburgh-Dallas game, which did give you a little bit of a cheap thrill if you're a Cowboys fan. The one thing I'll say about the Cowboys the last two weeks, they've tried hard. So they've gone from throwing their, their, their coaches under the bus to all of a sudden playing really hard. They get Van Der Esch back. They get Sean Lee back. I thought this game might be competitive. If I had any faith whatsoever in Garrett Gilbert, the problem is the Cowboys put a quarterback out there that hasn't played uh, NFL football in years. And I think it was, this was his first NFL start. The guy, I think, is like 35 years old. So maybe he's not that old. But bottom line is you didn't know what you were getting here against the Steelers team that loves to blitz. Steelers coming off games against the Browns, the Titans, and then the Ravens. You thought they might be due for a letdown here. But Dallas played hard. Lost in the shuffle of all of that, Sean Lee coming back and Van Der Esch and everything else, was the fact that Mike McCarthy's been getting rid of some guys. So, basically, if you want to leak to the press or if you want to be a bad apple in the locker room, Mike McCarthy's not having it. It's just how it is. And just like that, the guys start playing hard on defense. And on offense, too. So, a good showing on for the Cowboys. So, you got, you know, at least the 430 window on Thanksgiving won't be totally empty. I think they play Washington that day. That could actually be a good game now. The Chargers figure out a way to lose another game to the Raiders. <laughs> they had, a, they had a, a play at the goal line to win the game with six seconds left. Throw a fade to the right-hand side, the right pylon. Mike Williams can't hold on. One second left. What, what do they do? What does Anthony Lynn and his staff do? Let's throw, let's throw a fade to the right side of the end zone, right to the pylon. They <laughs> do the same exact play. The kid almost hauls it in. The ball bounced. I saw the ball bounce, and I'm like, what is, what is he celebrating for? I could swear that ball bounced on the ground. One camera angle got it right, and the Chargers find a way to lose again. Two and six. Team could be six and two. If the team could close out games, they could easily be six and two. It's the best two and six team you will ever see. And one reason why team totals as a wagering option are, are a good thing for some people. Um, Vikings beat up on the Lions. The Vikings are trending the right way. Give the Lions a break here. Matt Stafford was away from the team the entire week. He also had a daughter in the hospital. I would draw a line through that game. The Panthers get CMC back. They get the Chiefs a scare. Panthers, it, it's very simple with these two teams. They can both score. And is, is the Panthers' offense on par with the Chiefs? Not quite. But Teddy Bridgewater, when he has CMC there and he's got Mike Davis and everything, I tell you what, that team can, that team can actually move the football. And the Chiefs' defense has been a little soft this year. Bottom line, they're able to outscore the Panthers. No surprise there. Ravens 24-10 against the Colts. Um, a really slow start for Baltimore in this game offensively. They got a defensive score here. Um, where Phillip Rivers just looked... I have nothing against Phillip Rivers, I'm sure. I mean, he's a nice guy and everything, but man, he looked ridiculous trying to tackle a guy when he's on his back. Um, but a real slow start for the Ravens offense. Ravens are a tough team to figure out. They really are. They're coming off They're coming off a tough game against Pittsburgh, so you figure they might be a little bit down in this game, but they just weared out the Colts late. The Colts just shut down on offense. Um, you can say the Ravens stepped up on defense, but the, the Colts are a very tough team. They seem like a very slow team. They want a slow pace of the game. They just don't... They just don't have a lot of explosiveness lately. I mean, I understand that's the kind of team they want to be. The Ravens, it's very tough to get a handle on them because you're not quite sure what the quarterback's going to do. You know, if he can't run and he has to throw, it's not a good thing for him. And they just got, like I said, they got a defensive score and they stepped up on defense and just just did enough late. And I believe their first offensive touchdown was him running. And he basically, that's, that's what he does. He takes things into his own hands if he can. So the Ravens get the win 24-10. They'll probably take care of New England on, I think it's Monday night. 
or is it Sunday night coming up this week? That'll probably we'll see how the Patriots do against the Jets tonight. I'm recording this on Monday, but I would think the Ravens would uh, would be a very good teaser leg. I think the Saints will make a good teaser leg too. They're going to be about an eight and a half nine point favorite against the Niners. I would tease that down to two and a half and three all day. The Bills outscored the Seahawks. The Seahawks defense is just. I'd have to. I'd say it was atrocious, but it would have to exist to be atrocious. You can just tell some of these guys. Bobby Wagner and these guys have slowed way down over the years. It's to be expected. And the secondary is just terrible. And Josh Allen gets himself a basically a confidence booster. And just like that, the Bills are seven and two, seven and two for the Bills. So a a nice win for them. But the Seahawks now they got to go back home and they got to go to the Rams to get the Rams basically the ideal situation. The Rams are coming off a bye. The Seahawks got to go all the way across the country, get embarrassed by the Bills, and they, there was a late touchdown to make it forty four thirty four. It wasn't that close. I mean, it was sloppy. The offensive line was bad. The Bills were actually getting after Russell Wilson. So do I think the Seahawks are in trouble? No, but do they have to do something with that defense? They probably do. The, the issue in the NFC is who really has a good defense? Do the, do the Packers have a good defense? No. Do the Seahawks have a good one? I mean, don't make me laugh. And then do the Saints have a good defense? I mean, it's, it's okay. I, I, would just, I would call it okay. I would say it's like a B, maybe a B-plus on a good day because their secondary isn't that great. You notice a theme here? All three of those teams are winning their division. So, I mean, if you look at the NFC, the bottom line is the first team that steps up on defense, and the Saints probably have the best chance of that, is going to have the best chance to go to the Super Bowl. You notice I leave the NFC East out of there because, let's face it, so that's how it's going to be. And that is all the time we got this week on the Air Attack. Thanks for joining us. Make sure you check out Facebook.com slash the Air Attack. Also, follow me on Twitter and on SoundCloud at BCAK, the man, and follow the show on Twitter, again, if they'll let you, at Air Attack Radio. And remember... The Air Attack with BC The Man can be heard on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and the Anchor app. Subscribe and share today. Close it out tonight with the same guy that opens every Air Attack. Here's Lace. All right, all right. I'm BC The Man. I will see you guys next week on the Air Attack.
You ain't about no drama, ain't worry about these hoes. You laughing at these niggas, you focused on your goals. I N D E, girl, you independent. And my A 305, girl, I represent it. You a hustler, I'm a hustler, thing in common. Let's get this money, I know you hear it calling. Dumb sucker haters, they fear to see us falling. They wanna see us falling, but they won't. Cause we can't laugh it straight to the bank. After that, we blowing dank, so shout it what you think.